You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast on the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, a proud member of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, dressed in my Sunday best as we record, and I'm joined here by my good buddy and partner in crime here, Evan Lang. I am not dressed in my Sunday best, and for all you know, I'm not even wearing pants. Ooh. But you'll never, but you'll never know. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Futurama, so I've got the professor's laughs in Far my head. <laughs> well, speaking of the professor, after uh, after last night's events, a few of us had to go into our angry domes, but uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> I just watched that episode, I think, the, on Friday. Angry joke. <laughs> that joke got me more than it should have. It's a because, funny joke. Because the payoff on it is him just in there. It's like silently <laughs> stomping around in a big glass dome. And the reason he goes in there is so stupid. It's such the simplest thing that makes him angry. Um, uh-huh. Futurama is a very underrated show, folks. If you have never watched it, watch it. Check it out because there's a new season coming out too. I, uh, soon. I just recently have been trying to convince my dad to watch Futurama because my dad, you know, old, lover of the old school Simpsons and, you know, Futurama is you know, made by a lot of the same people. A lot of honestly, the, the smartest writers and creators from the original Simpsons uh, folks with like astrophysics degrees and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And it's one of the most consistently funny shows that have ever been made. Uh, animated wise because sitcoms they usually run peter out like the simpsons uh but futurama right up there along with king of the hill good stuff you know i was never a big fan of king of the hill oh man there's some good stuff in that show too it might be something i need to revisit as an adult uh there's a running joke in my family with my brothers is every year when it's one of our birthdays we send a 10 hour long youtube video it's called Bill's Birthday Song, where Bill Dotrieve is singing this this stupid birthday song to himself on his birthday, and it's just hilarious. And so, <laughs> it's it's a really dumb clip, but we send that to each other every year and still sing it, as well as quote it constantly. <laughs> but unfortunately, as always, Evan and I usually end up talking about our old cartoons, especially when I host. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> We talk about our old sitcoms. It's probably just put off the inevitable of talking about the actual Rockies. And we've got a little bit to talk about today. Uh, We'll talk about some of the roster shuffling, uh, a big trade that happened, as well as uh, we're going to talk about what happened against the Los Angeles Angels on Saturday when you're hearing this on Monday. And then in the back end of the show, we'll probably just touch around the league and catch up on our MLB going ons uh, since we don't usually do that as often anymore. But Let's hop right into it. Evan, the Rockies made their first trade, their first significant trade of the in-season 
by sending Mike Moustakis over to the Los Angeles Angels for a minor league prospect, uh, Connor Van Suyuk. I don't know how to say his last name yet. I've been insane. It's Skoyuk. Van Skoyuk. Uh, it's spelled uh, S-C-O-Y-O-C. Skoyuk. Skoyuk. Van so Skoyuk. I've been going with. We'll stick with that for now. Uh, but yeah, minor league prospect, 23 years old. He's been down in high A with the Tri-City Dust Devils. The weird thing, Evan, he was actually scheduled to pitch against Spokane last or today. 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 And instead, he just walked across the field into the other team's dugout, which is what Mike Moustakis did. Super weird that that happened. Weird quinky dink. But uh, yeah, they made a one-for-one trade. And after the absolute shellacking that we're going to talk about later, Mike Moustakis is off the roster. First veteran, expiring contract. He's gone, Evan. And this is kind of a, a bit of a surprising move, I would say, for a lot of Rockies fans. Honestly, surprising... In the fact that they did that, something. <laughs> in, in the fact that the Rockies actually did it. Um, because, you know, we, we know how the Rockies tend to operate, which is that allegedly they're supposed to trade these these veterans for prospects, and then they mm-hmm. never actually do it. Um, and so, honestly, this worked out pretty much exactly how you would want it to work out, where you sign uh, Mike Moustakis, who's looking to prove he's still got a little bit left in the tank, uh, for vet minimum, so he's been playing for very cheap this year. Um, he puts up, you know, adequate numbers. Um, he was hitting 270, 360, 435 with four home runs, uh, 17 RBIs, uh, 21 runs scored, and uh, 0.4 wins above replacement per baseball reference. And then you trade him along for a young prospect of really any kind. <clears throat> the voice crack. <laughs> So the fact that we really got anything for Mike Moustakis and the fact that we traded him at all is, is I think, a positive move. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are going, oh, well, I can't believe, uh, oh, what was even the point of trading Moustakis, like of signing Moustakis at the beginning? This was the point. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, unfortunately, he, he did take away some at-bats and some playing time from the younger guys, Alaris Montero, Michael Tolia, especially during um, – this period of time where CJ Crone's been hurt, but he upped his value where, you know, prior to this year, it looked like his career was pretty much done. And he upped his value to the point where we got something for him and we got, you know, it's not an amazing trade. You know, Connor Vanskoyak is a, is a 23 year old high A starting pitcher. Um, very much fits into the Rocky starting pitcher mold of a soft tossing sinker baller with a cutter and a curve ball as his secondary pitches. But he's still fairly young. He's only 23 years old. Um, and he's having a pretty good season so far with the Tri-City Dust Devils. Um, and has had, for the most part, an okay minor league career so far. Um, Arizona Fall League last year, he didn't do so great. But um, with Inland Empire in uh, low A back in 2022, had a really solid year. And then this year, he's having a good year where he's got an ERA of 276 in 11 starts and 62 innings and a decent number of strikeouts, 56 strikeouts and only six home runs. Like this is a decent prospect. He's not, you know, top 30. He's not really going to knock the doors off or anything like that, but in exchange for, you know, the 34 year old, almost 35 year old Mike Moustakis, who we signed in 
an incredibly low risk deal, mm-hmm. this works out. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, I think it's surprising because you hear what the Rockies kept talking about, how much they loved Moustakis in the clubhouse and his, his influence, mentorship to the young players and that value he brings as a clubhouse guy. And it seems in the past, the Rockies MO, if they have a really good clubhouse guy, they're going to keep him around no matter what. And so it's, it's surprising because I like Moose. And like we've talked about that. For the role he was to play, he did pretty good and put up some you know, okay numbers and limited playing time. And it, it's kind of sad to see him go because I like Moose. wanted to see more of him. But it is that perfect move of, okay, they're actually moving on from this veteran that they loved in the clubhouse who was putting up you know, okay numbers, and they move him for a depth piece that eh, maybe they can get something for him or get something out of this this young kid in the future, building up some depth, see how he does progressing-wise. But it, it's a good move, and you hope then maybe, you know, is this a move that kind of indicative of what the Rockies are willing to do now as we grow closer to the trade deadline in you know, a little over a month? In August first, the trade deadline. Yeah, and and it, it really does like it, it's it's a bummer to lose the the really good clubhouse influence that Moose has, but that doesn't mean he hasn't had an impact over this just a little under half the season that he's been with the team, and this works out for a lot of different ways. Where that Moustakis in going to the Angels, he fills a position of need for them, especially at first base right now, mm-hmm. and the Angels are surprisingly good this year, I think, um, better than a lot of people expected. So now he gets a chance to contend again at the tail end of his career, something that he wasn't getting here. And then you can see indicative of what this does for the Rockies roster in the the move that the Rockies made immediately after, which was that they are calling up Michael Tolia. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, there's a lot of falling dominoes that the Rockies benefit from moving a guy like Moustakis. Plus, it's a nice thing. He gets to kind of go home back to California. He's from, I think he's from Southern California, something like that. He's a California kid like everybody else. And so he gets to go play, you know, back home in a way. And then this opens up more opportunities for the Rockies to have, you know, Montero might get a little bit more time. You know, you can keep Nolan Jones in the lineup more. And, you know, hopefully Tolia can get some more action as you potentially have more of your no guys coming off the injured list like Chris Bryant and CJ Crone and that can we can kind of pivot to that real quick of what do we do with CJ Crone now he's been dealing with those back spasms for what two months now seems like he's been doing some work down in the Arizona complex in the extended spring training so it's he not hasn't been on an official rehab assignment so they can kind of hold him off until they feel he's ready and they're hoping he can avoid having to go do an actual no rehab assignment so they can bring crone back but what's the situation what do you think is happening now with crone and what the what the plan is for him my guess would be depending on um how the rest of this assignment with the arizona complex league goes what i would do with cj at least is the goal is to recoup as much trade value for him as you possibly can to try and deal him at the deadline his contract is up at the end of the year and he hasn't really been very productive um, 
since the all-star break last season you know he was an all-star in 2022 but then following the all-star break he really uh kind of nosedived in his performance and that that isn't necessarily indicative of who he has as a player and we also have no idea how long his his back has been bothering him to the point where you know like you said he's been out for two months at this point he's been out for a long time and what i would do is you continue to have say tolia or montero play first base and you start cj specifically as the dh only Mm-hmm. And then maybe you start putting him in in the field because CJ's glove is a fairly known quantity at this point. But what you need to see is if his bat is going to recover. And mm-hmm. if his bat recovers, then you can do you know very much the same as you did with Mike Mustakis, where you're gonna you're gonna trade him probably not for anything amazing like a top thirty prospect or top fifteen prospect, but you can get something for him for a guy who's you know thirty two thirty three years old at the end of his contract. And someone else can get better use of him while we can free up more space to play the young guys. Yeah. I mean, like, if, hey, if we can trade CJ Crone, see what value he has, see if that bat can come back even just a bit, and then potentially trade him off to, to somebody that needs now maybe some a little bit more of that boost in some, in some aspects, even coming off the bench, get him, even if it's just maybe a rental pitcher for the rest of the season just to get you through and then you can dust your hands clean of that you have the free up freed up the money and then you can address pitching in the off season but it's it seems like with crone that would be the that would be the obvious thing to do is you no know, we talked about this get as much playing time as he can to see if he can perform well enough and you know leading up to the all leading up to the trade deadline and then you know see what you can get for him yeah, because I don't think that CJ Crone's not coming back as a Rocky. We hope nothing against him. I love Crony, but that's just not where the team is at this point because there's pieces they need to move. So guys like Jones, Tolia, and Montero, Coco Montes, some of these younger guys can keep getting playing time mm-hmm. because it seems like the Rockies have kind of accepted their fate of yeah, this season's going to be a a crapshoot. And we just need to send our guys out there yeah. and see what we've got. And and for CJ, if you don't get trade value for him, then you have to designate him for assignment. Yeah. You're going to be eating that money anyway. You have to move on. And, you know, maybe, you know, he accepts a minor league assignment with the isotopes or something like that and has the potential to you know, keep playing for the rest of the year and build up that value so he can sign a contract in free agency or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love CJ. Um, you know, I think we've both been been pretty open about that. We like CJ Crone, but like you said, his future is not with this team and this team's future is not with him. We've got so many corner infielders in this organization. Mm-hmm. And you've got a guy like Chris Bryant, who he's probably best suited for a DH role nowadays with all the injuries that keep happening to him. The DH role is then getting crowded even more mm-hmm. where you know, CJ Crone is a DH, Hilarious Montero is a DH, Charlie Blackman, whose hand is broken, is a DH. They've been doing jerks and Profar as a DH. We've even seen Elias Diaz and Jorge Alfaro as DHs. And so it's 
getting crowded of, okay, what guys need to be playing more? Well, when Chris Bryant comes back, he needs to be getting the most playing time because we're paying him for that. Yeah, and absolutely. So, and even with um, even with Chris Bryant, like you, we have one of those things where if like say Montero doesn't work out or something like that, then you you may consider moving Bryant to first base mm-hmm. because you need right field open for a guy like Nolan Jones and Bryant's defense in right field has been lacking. You know, he's for for all the time he's played in right field this season, he's put up a negative DRS. Yeah. versus Nolan Jones has a positive DRS. And first base is a lot easier on you know, the legs, the back. <laughs> For an older guy like Chris Bryant, that's a better one. So then that takes you of, okay, well then where can we stick Tolia? Well, there's two guys in the outfield that probably need some trading here pretty soon in Jerkson Profar and Randall Grichik, who decent years. And you see if you can trade off Mike Moustakis – you can probably get something along the same lines with with Profar and Grichik. We're not asking for the moon here. We're just opening space and getting some pieces that maybe you can strike gold on. My concerns for Profar is that his contract combined with his performance are going to make things a little bit more difficult. He has a negative 0.8 war, according to baseball reference, um, his batting average is only 236. His on base is 315, and his slugging is 380. He does have six home runs and 27 RBI, but he's making 7.75 million dollars. It, I think, it's going to be tough to find a mm-hmm. a suitor for that. They're going to have is, to eat some. That contract. is what I'm worried about. Yeah, they'll uh, have to eat some hard. contract and or put in a sweetener of. Here's another guy. Here's yeah. Alaris Montero. Give us a controllable starter that's decent. Yeah, something like that. Because you know, I've I've enjoyed having having Jerks in here. Um, I love that he seems to always be in a good mood, always smiling, no matter what. Um, that's great. But he should never have been signed for that amount, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when he was a very late signing in the off season and it was pretty clear that no one else really was going for the price tag he was looking for. Yeah. But out of desperation, we had to pay it because we needed a left fielder after Sean Bouchard's decided to go exploded muscle Bob buff pants on us with his arm. It was. (laughs) Yeah. And then what's, what's really funny is that if roles were reversed, we could have seen CJ crone traded to the angels. If yeah. if, Crone had, if Crone had been been healthy and playing, we might have seen him go back to his old team. Yeah, it could have been an interesting thing, but no. But I think that comes down to this roster shuffling here in the couple in the coming weeks. Rockies seem to be embracing. We got to get more of these young guys playing. Embrace the youth movement finally, as they've slowly incorporated guys, and then slowly start. Uh, gets kind of pushing off the the roster positional guys. I'm a little more hesitant now. And the entire pitching world, there's a couple of those bullpen pieces that we've talked about before. But they need to just move guys off, see what you can get. We're not asking for anything spectacular. We're just be active, be the sellers you're supposed to be, and learn from the mistakes of the past. Yeah. 
because no nobody on this team is going who who we would sell is going to net you a top prospect. Yeah. Um, because the guys that we need to sell are Harold Castro, Jerkson Profar, uh, and CJ Crone at this point. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna really gonna net you anything, but you can get something. And yeah. that's what matters at this point. That's the whole point of having all these veterans on expiring contracts. And then we're probably not going to move on from Chuck, and we're definitely not going to be able to move on from Chris Bryant. So those three guys are the guys you really need to focus on. And then, you know, probably Elias Diaz is the the guy who's the most valuable, but I see this team doing much what they did with CJ Crone last year of, well, he's our only good player, so we can't trade him. Yeah, they value him too much. Especially with one more year on his contract, they probably want to hold on to that. Yeah, probably going to come back to bite him. But hey. well, and for what it's for what it's worth, there's not really a whole lot of catching behind Elias that's about ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> um, about we have Jorge Alfaro, and for for Elias, he is really good with with the young pitching staff and i i've said this before i think i said this last week could you imagine if elias diaz was 4 years younger how mm-hmm. how good we would feel about the catching situation for this team yeah it'd be in a lot better spot than the rockies are actually in now with everything and i think we're going to take a break Evan, cuz there's some uh, we got to get into the dirt of it with some specific angels in the outfield which a nightmare scenario for everybody. More like angels clearing the outfield. Yes. Those were not angels. They were devils. El Diablo. Anyway, so we'll go ahead and take a quick break here. Stick around with us. And we're going to have a therapy session about Saturday's game against the angels. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. And welcome back here on Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us there through the ads. Uh, Evan, anything special happen on Saturday between the Rockies and the Angels? I heard no. they, they limited Shohei Otani to one hit, so the game must have been pretty good then. Well, you see, we limited Shohei Otani to one hit in seven at-bats. Oh. <laughs> Is that good? Depends on which team you're rooting for. Or if you're one of those sickos that just wants to watch the Rockies crash and burn. That is uh, that's why I kept watching the game last night is because I was morbidly curious to see just how bad that game got and uh, oh boy it was uh, it was bad um, I think you can arguably call it the worst loss in Rockies history uh, the Rockies lost to the Angels twenty five to one. Uh, the previous most lopsided loss in Rockies history was a uh, was it twenty six to seven against the Chicago Cubs back in nineteen ninety five, and this uh, this beats that up out of the park in terms of uh, the difference in runs. Was also uh, the third most lopsided loss in Major League Baseball history. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first one being. Uh, that Texas Rangers versus the Orioles back in, I think it was 07 or something, where the Rangers put up 30 runs. Um, a lot of other fun history, uh, such as the uh, the Rockies are the first team in Major League Baseball history to allow 20-plus runs in only two innings. Or like they're tied for the most up there with teams that haven't done that since before the 20th century. 
yeah, we're we're talking modern era. This is one of the most brutal beatdowns in in MLB history for the modern era, where it was getting compared to you know teams from the 1800s that mm-hmm. don't exist and haven't existed for over a century at this point. It was it was bad. They put up 13 runs in the third inning and eight in the fourth inning. They set franchise records for most runs in a single game and most hits in a single game. They had multiple innings where they batted around. So they batted around in both the the third and the fourth. And that third inning was probably the most brutal inning of baseball I've ever watched. They sent 16 batters to the plate. They almost batted around twice in one inning, scored 13 <laughs> runs on 10 hits, four home runs. And three of those home runs on three consecutive pitches. Back to back to back. It was it was definitely a low point. You know, I've been I've been a uh I've been a Rockies fan for over 25 years at this point. You know, that uh that Cubs beatdown happened when I was like four years old. This one was was the worst. It is the worst Rockies game I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Also, it was thanks to Brenton Doyle, it avoided being the second worst, I guess the second best shutout victory for a road team in baseball history. Uh, but luckily it wasn't a shutout, so yay. Yeah, and and that that is not, that is the entirety of all of baseball, not just the modern era. That's again going back to the eighteen hundreds. That would yeah. have been. They um, were there was historical stats for the Rockies last night that were established like twenty years after the Civil War ended. That's how yeah. bad it was last night. And you know we have we have Brenton Doyle to thank for um, making it, instead of being a uh, MLB historically bad game, uh, just a Rockies historically bad game, where um, he, in the bottom of the eighth inning, slapped a uh, 426-foot solo home run uh, to put the Rockies on the board. It was the only run the Rockies scored all night. It was, it was bad. Yeah. It was real bad. So, so then I, I guess that kind of brings us to our conversation for this segment of... I guess is this kind of the amalgamation and like just the the meshing of everything coming to a head of this is the state of the Colorado Rockies and it that has been the state of the Colorado Rockies for the past five years, or is it like Bud Black? You know, it's just one game out of the ordinary because it's a stark contrast from you no know, Friday night they have a incredible come from behind victory, hit their first grand slam since twenty twenty one thanks to Elias Diaz, win the game. And then the next day, they just get clobbered. Hopefully that doesn't happen happen here on this Sunday that we're recording before the game. But is this who the Rockies are, or is it really just, oh, this is that's baseball. This is just one of those games, and this isn't who we are, and we don't need to change anything. Or is, is this really who the team is? who the organization is. I think, I don't think Bud Black was being entirely honest during his presser yesterday where he was talking about it's just one game uh, because he was, he, I, he was not happy. Um, he, he got a little bit at the very beginning of his press conference. People were asking about that. 
he was definitely a little bit terse with the press more so than we usually see from him where, you know, he interrupted them a few times, elevated his voice a little bit. Uh, you could tell that last night's loss got to him, even if he said it didn't. And then you can also say, you know, it is, it's one game, one really bad game, but I do think that this game is a microcosm of everything that is wrong with the Rockies, especially this season. Starting pitcher doesn't go more than a handful of innings. We have to um, go to the bullpen and ask them to take a bunch of um, take a bunch of the slack where Noah Davis and Carl Kaufman and Matt Carasidi were basically wheeled out there to be sacrificial lambs just to get the Rockies through the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel bad for, for, for Matt and for, for Noah because they both look just absolutely miserable after their nights were done. And I give props to Carl Kaufman because Kaufman did a really good job at limiting the bleeding. Um, Kaufman pitched three innings, only gave up one run, and uh, walked one batter. Now, he didn't strike out anybody fine, but he ate through those innings without making it even worse than it already was. And I will give, give him props for that. But then we have burned through all of our long relievers to the point where we have to make roster moves today. And then we have the issue of the Rockies, you know, having difficulty getting runs across where if we had scored more than one run, it would have been, at least a little more tolerable. Mm-hmm. But if we put up like six runs, it would have been ugly, but we would have been like, eh, well, you know, that we is baseball. <laughs> we just couldn't pitch. But when the Angels were on their sixth at bats, the Rockies had only gone through the order twice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had some, we had some decent hits, like uh, Ezekiel Tovar legged out a triple and then was promptly stranded on base. We we left a bunch of guys stranded. We left uh we were only o- we were 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. So the three times we had a guy past second base, we didn't get him home and we left, you know, six total runners stranded because that seventh hit that we had was the was the solo home run from from Brenton Doyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ugly stuff. And it was that's kind of highlights that point of the younger guys are doing the best. And I saw somebody tweet this where it's like they they don't blame really anybody below assistant GM. So, and I can you know, echo that sentiment where I'm not going to blame the players. I'm not going to be mad at them because they're literally doing the best they can. Oh, and they go out there and compete. They take it to heart. No, they, they're as frustrated probably as you and I are and all the Rockies fans are. Nobody likes to to lose and lose in the fashion the Rockies have over the past you no know, week and a half you know, because they were stomped on that road trip after they left Boston. You no, know, we talked about them getting just beat up by the by the uh whatchamacallem, the Braves and as well as the uh the Reds and everything. So it's just been ugly for everybody. Yeah. And it's been it's been rough. And so then you come into that and it, and it's awful. And so it's kind of the blame kind of falls on who's at the top of the totem pole, making the decisions, building the team. 
and, and providing the resources for the team to get better. Yeah. And you look at like, you look at some of the comments from the guys like Brent and Doyle, um, you know, Doyle and, and Gritch had that, that weird botched play where the, the draw, the, the ball dropped right between them. And, you know, Doyle had to get asked. This is a, this is a rookie, uh, a, a young guy in his first MLB season having to get asked, how do you feel about getting booed by your own fans at home? <laughs> that's a, that's a tough question to ask a rookie. And he, for what it's worth, he answered it with grace where he was like, that we deserved it we needed to do better mm-hmm. and and that's a that's a very mature response for 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 brenton but i feel bad that he had to even answer that in the first place because we are at a point where the rockies are being resoundingly booed in their own ballpark mm-hmm. in and front of a sellout crowd last night who were there to watch two generational incredible historic players in mlb and it, the thing that makes it difficult is honestly the players shouldn't be the ones that are having to answer these questions. Uh, you know, even Bud Black shouldn't be having to always be the one answering these questions. There's two guys at the top, three guys at the top that should be the ones subject to these these questions. No, even at the end of the season, but they haven't had a press conference since what since. Uh, Chris Bryant, and that wasn't really that much of a press conference. It was just, hey, Chris, we're glad you're here. All right, talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, you you go, where is Bill Schmidt? Where is Dick Monfort? You know, Dick Monfort, who will inevitably send out a letter to the season ticket holders like he did last year and the year before and the year before going, oh, this year was bad, but next year will be better. We promise. And then they won't do anything to address glaring needs. You have, you have Bill Schmidt who when asked about, Hey, this team desperately needed starting pitching. And you said that we were going to focus on starting pitching in the off season. What happened? And his response was, well, we tried. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 I tried very hard to, to wait out, Bill Schmidt, give him a couple years, see see how he does. But all of the players that he has signed, I saw this the statistic today, have a net negative three point one wins above replacement. The moves he has made have not made this team better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the one that was kind of doing better were brought in by Jeff Breidich. Now Elias Diaz, CJ Crone. Some of no, never mind. Not any of those pitchers. No, it's Daniel Bard. Yeah, well, it's it's just not working. Nothing is, is working a, with this team. And this is a team that touts itself as oh, we're not going to make the big splash moves because we're a draft and develop team. It's like Bill Schmidt had been in charge of the draft for like twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> and even as the GM, though he's not necessarily in charge of the draft he's still pretty much in charge of the draft and none of the guys that he's drafted as the GM are anywhere close to big league ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, like most of those guys are still a couple years away. And so we don't know what he's doing now. Like, yeah, he's trying to put some band-aids on things and no Brent Suter was looking, looks like a, a good bullpen piece, but now he's injured and, no, the cracks of the bullpen overuse is showing now. 
and then it's just kind of sitting on the hands of, well, we tried. I don't know where the power is, but we tried. I, the the account the lack of accountability for these guys is I think is one of the more frustrating things for all the fans in Colorado and I'm sure even media people where where are they to answer these questions of what's going on with the team instead of coming up with excuses of we just need to play better oh everybody's injured we're not we're better than this we just need to play better and no. you know inevitably sometime during the off season. Um, Dick Moffert will put his foot in his mouth somehow. Yeah. Um, or or Bill Schmidt will will see very little of them this season. They won't have an end of season presser because they just don't do that anymore. They, I'm trying to be diplomatic here, but they they do they hide. While guys like Bud Black say whatever you want about Bud Black, you know I. I at the point where I don't necessarily think he's the right man for the job anymore with this team, but he is the one who gets thrown to the wolves after every game, like last, like last night, after every bad game, after every bad performance to answer these questions Mm -hmm. that should not always be his responsibility to answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like when we do hear from Bill Schmidt or Dick Monfort, it's, in those random situations, maybe Patrick Saunders talked to him whilst just standing there at Coors field on the field, things like that. And those are always very directed conversations, which are fine, but that's where we get the, well, we tried and well, I don't know where the power is. Those kind of things where it's, you don't, you catch them in the weird, the weird situations. Whereas you look at the Cardinals there, was it their GM? No, it's strictly there. The Cardinals are in a rough place. I think he was in a, you know, having his little conference there in the dugout and telling people like changes are coming. Not necessarily a huge teardown rebuild, but there's going to be changes coming. And, and you we'll know, see what those are. And and say what you want about Bud Black, you can even compare him to the Cardinal situation where he's not going up there and throwing specific players under the bus, like yeah. um, like Cardinals manager Ole Marmol has been doing with these rough patches for the Cardinals this year. Yeah. It's just a rough situation, and that's just what is where Rockies baseball is right now, where it feels stuck, where they're just doing the same things over and over again. It's not working, but there's really no change on the horizon that we can foresee that's going to drastically turn this franchise around. You can do your little moves of, well, we'll send off Moustakis, the pitcher you bring in fits right into the mold of every single other pitcher you bring in that's not having success at the big league level. You, know, you can look around, you look at the Reds, they bring up their young prospects, and those guys are electric. They're hitting the ground running, doing incredible things. And we look over at the Rockies, and yes, they're pro- they're, our prospects have that potential, but they get to the big league level and they just kind of sputter, <laughs> putter along and they'll have their highlights here and there, but it's still overall they struggle. And the team's like, well, they just need to keep playing and getting some reps. But then you look at Ellie De La Cruz with the Reds. Dude's hitting for the cycle oh, a couple weeks into his time in the big leagues, doing incredible things every night, and that team has turned its head and it's leading the National League Central, whereas we're comfortably at the bottom of our division. 
Yeah, or the uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who fully mm-hmm. committed to a rebuild that was that was ugly for a couple of years. You know, they lost over 100 games last year, and now they're racing with the Dodgers for first place in the division. Mm-hmm. The Baltimore uh, Orioles as well. They committed to their youngsters while bringing in veteran complementary pieces. They're competing out there in the American League East, which is usually a pretty tough division. And so it's... <laughs> You can look around the league for different examples of how teams are doing things and progressing, minus the Oakland A's. And the Rockies are just stagnant. And we talked about this before. They're still kind of operating like they're a team in the 90s or even the 80s. And you bring up the A's and it's like, what is worse? A team that is really, really bad, but they claim that they are trying, like the Rockies, or a team that is really, really bad, and they're obviously not trying like the A's. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a very deep question for you thinkers to, for you listeners and viewers to think about. But I think kind of, to kind of bring this conversation to a close, it's just <laughs> we've just been broken this season. <laughs> what an awful way to celebrate 30th anniversary of the Rockies, but it also in a way the perfect way to celebrate it is with the team doing historically bad things, especially on a night when they celebrated the Denver bears minor league team in their city connects. They're stuck in. There's no evolution that we're seeing exactly or rapid evolution to compete in the modern game of baseball. And the season's breaking a lot of people. It's breaking a lot of fans if the Nolan Arnauto trade hadn't done that already. And it's even us who are diehards, it gets tough. Like I can't watch the games, but I usually listen to them on the radio or I'll check in. No, I'll follow on the MLB app. Even then I'm like, I really don't want to listen to them tonight. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to watch a movie to the point where you feel bad for, for Drew, for, for Jack, for Jerry, for, for Huey and Spilly, who have to somehow fill airtime while this team is just being bludgeoned to death. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about with last week with the Nuggets and the Avalanche, even the Denver Broncos, uh, and, the, and the sports totem pole, the people of Denver don't care about the Rockies anymore. Uh, and they want to. I know. I firmly in my heart, people in Colorado, they want to care about the Rockies. We saw that in Rocktober years. You know, this city, the state, and Denver especially are baseball towns, baseball cities, and they deserve so much better. You know, seeing people on Twitter last night of these beautiful pictures of Coors Field and all the fans there, and you, with captions like, "This place is wonderful. It could be so great." But the team is so awful in the organization that I don't want to come back. I don't want to spend two hundred dollars to have you no know, me and my family there at the at the field to watch games like that against the Angels. Oh, if you're really in depth following the te- following the team and and there for more than just a good time partying and drinking with your buddies, yeah. I don't know what um, what else we can really say about it. The bad night, bad season, bad team. So, uh, Mr. Montford, if you ever listen to this, which I know you won't, 
but please look deep in the mirror and figure out how you can make this team better <laughs> and prove them because the, the people of Denver, this is our team. It's not his team. He treats it like his and that's the way he runs it. But the sports teams, they don't, they're not for the owners. They're for the people, for the city. You just happen to fund it because you love it too and want to make money. But it belongs to the people, and the people deserve better. I've never watched Ted Lasso, but I've seen the clip of the one lady talking about this type of thing. Now, Rockies baseball means a lot to a lot of us, and it, it hurts to see it in this state because we love those players. We love the team. We love baseball. But and when all is said and done, we're never going to be celebrating and building a statue to Dick Monfort. We're not going to stick his initials up in the rafters. His legacy is going to be what did he do with the team, not the legacy he wants of building up the, you know, the stadium and McGregor Square and all this stuff and how much money he made. What matters is, did you ever win a division title? Did you ever win a World Series? That type of thing, if that makes sense. We deserve better, Evan. The Atlanta Braves have won the National League West. The Colorado Rockies have not. Let that sink in, folks. Redo the divisions again. Anyways, we're going to take one last quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to just kind of touch around the league, uh, some quick news uh, before we close this out. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Hello, everybody, and welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. Uh, to close this out, just kind of wrap up around the league, uh, touch on things. All-star voting, Evan, uh, coming up this coming week. We will learn the winning starters and as well as the pitchers and reserves next Sunday. So we're on watch for what Rocky gets the designation. Uh, seems that the odds would be either Ryan McMahon or Elias Diaz. I'm leaning towards Diaz just because he's kind of had a more fanned out, lengthier, I guess, <laughs> time of success here in this first half. And, like he, and he did uh, pretty good in fan voting. He was like the uh, he was the third or fourth most voted for catcher in the National League. Um, you know, unfortunately, he lost out to. Um, Sean Sorry, Murphy and Will Smith. Sean Murphy and Will Smith. Um, whereas Ryan McMahon um, didn't even crack the top 10, which is crazy to me because the top vote getter was Nolan Arenado, who statistically is having a worse season than McMahon mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of different, in a lot of different ways. Um, but you know, that's the, the problem with the fan vote is it's always going to be that name recognition. And, you know, the Cardinals are bad, but have a perennial all-star in Nolan Arenado versus the Rockies are bad. And our guys don't really have that sort of name brand power that um, a lot of other guys are going to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't have you know, an entire country of Canadians voting in all their Blue Jays <laughs> over in the National League. Instead, oh, we don't have those household names, the days of Tulo and Cargo and oh, Charlie Blackman even and Arenado. We're like, these are the go-to national popular guys that you know are going to do well in the voting. Rockies don't have that guy anymore, and we know the all-star voting's first and foremost popularity contest voting, and uh, we usually have to round, rely on the players' votes and stuff now. Yeah. 
which is kind of unfortunate because then it really sends home that message of your vote doesn't count in, in the all-star vote. But what's crazy is like how much success helps because the, the Texas mm-hmm. Rangers who, who really kind of struggled last year after really buying in and trying to, to bring in a lot of superstars this year, they had like five guys who were all in the, the top voting mm-hmm. for, for their team. And they're, they're, they're doing really good. So they have, Jonah Heim at catcher, Marcus Semien at second base, Corey Seager at short, Josh Jung at third, and Adolis Garcia in in the outfield. And you know the the Rangers are not a, a huge market team. The they're they're having a good season, and thus they're getting recognition for their players. Versus you have the Rockies, who are well terrible, despite having a couple of, of players who are having really good years. And we are stuck having to hope that maybe we'll get lucky and have more than one guy make the make the cut. Mm-hmm. This would make three years in a row. We've only had one guy in the All Star game, and that's Go after the, the season institution of making it mandatory that every team has to have one player. Yeah. So longer gone are the days. Was was it twenty nineteen? Was that when the Rockies had? Three or four? I think it was 2018. Yeah, it was one of those years. It was like even 2017 they had like three or four. 27, we had multiples. 2018, we had multiples. We had that year where it was um, was it was it Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, David Dahl, and Charlie Blackman. Yeah. So we're far removed from <laughs> those days. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. I'm pretty sure none of the pitchers will make it. Maybe Maybe we'll get lucky with a reliever, but uh, it seems like Elise Diaz, that's going to be my my safe bet. I think it's not impossible for one of our relievers to make it. Um, it's going to be, if it is a reliever, it's going to be Suter, Bird, or Lawrence. Um, yeah. But no, nah, it's with all likelihood, it's going to be Elise Diaz as like the backup or third string catcher or something. Yeah, works for me. He would be the first, what, first all-star catcher for the Rockies? Ever. So, hey, we got that to root for. Uh, yeah, so that's fan voting. No, that's all-star voting. You'll learn the, we'll learn all this next Sunday evening. So it probably won't even show up in the podcast. But uh, know that we are rooting for our guys. Uh, going up around the league, Evan, I guess, is there anything you want to touch on with anything that's been sticking out to you lately with MLB news and just what's going on, what teams are catching your eye? Uh, the Reds having that surge was absolutely crazy. They won what uh, eleven games in a row, I think. Twelve games in a row. They won twelve in a row. Yeah, that um, huge, huge turnaround, especially from last year where the Reds were really bad and you had all the uh, the bad press from from the owner. Where this year they've really got um, jo- they got Joey Votto back and he's been crushing it ever since he got back. Um, what a way to return from the injured list than against the scuffling Colorado Rockies. Mm-hmm. In the midst of what was uh, to be an eight-game losing streak, Joy Votto looks as as good as he has, and then they've got all these other guys. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz has looked amazing; he's been really cool, mm-hmm. and it's crazy how gigantic he is and how fast he is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the the Marlins being pretty good is also another surprise. Mm-hmm. And they have a first-year manager. Skip Schumacher, you know, leading them down there. And 
the crazy part is, is that Sandy Alcantara is not having a great year after winning the Cy Young Award last season. But you look at the team, Luis uh, Arias is no, battling to hit over 400. He's not the MVP, by the way. Stop bringing up that argument. Uh, you have him have that whole team surging, and they're doing pretty good. You know, battling for that wild card, probably. And they've kind of they're in that weird amalgamation of young star, young starters and everything. Their young core mixed in with some with some veterans to kind of boost you up. It seems these teams that are moving towards the youth movement are a lot more exciting than say the San Diego Padres who spent all that money and they're just just crashing into the into the earth. Oh, at least it gives me something to smile about. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, who set the example of the youth movement is the Braves, mm-hmm. where they got all of their young guys who continue to do amazing. They keep bringing up young guys, and then they supplement it with with the veterans that they need. And, you know, the Braves are, of course, one of the best teams in, in the league this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's not like, they're not like the Rays level where, the Rays are just constantly cycling through guys, but that's just because they don't want to pay that much money. So they can do everything they do on a cheap budget and still be really good because of their development and everything. But then the Atlanta Braves, I think, are more of kind of that more modern way of how you can build a contender is you've got all these young guys, you develop them well, you pay to keep them around, and then you make trades to bring in stars, you sign your stars, and it's it's just a good mixture of everything. And and they don't even really break the bank to do it. A lot of their younger guys are on really team-friendly deals. Mm-hmm. Um, signed when they're still rookies or in their second year. Speaking of, Rockies, lock down Ezekiel Tovar now. Thank you. Yeah. Or at least buy out those arbitration years. So, But they're kind of that, that youth moving around baseball. Those are the teams I think that are the exciting ones because we're seeing the talent instead of seeing, oh, this guy's going to be with the team for 11 years. Oh, no, he's struggling in his first season. They're stuck with him for 10 more years after that type of thing. Yeah. Whereas the youngsters, they come in, they have their, their – either they stick have their hot flash in the pan, hey, that was exciting, or they do that and then they get to have the continued success while still like- being young. And it's the same as like look at um look at the Rangers again. They're a really good example of this year a mix of homegrown young talent, um, where you've got Josh Jung, who is a candidate for Rookie of the Year in the American League at third base. Uh, you've got uh, Low at first base, who's being really solid. You have guys like Adelis Garcia, Leody Tavares, um, Ezekiel Duran, uh, rounding out that, and then you mix that with a group of very talented veterans in. Um, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, John Gray. Yeah. The work the Rangers did to uh, address their starting rotation, even without Jacob deGrom in that rotation, they're still getting really good performances out of Nathan Eovaldi. Eovaldi amazing. And John Gray, who's finally having like that breakout season. The Rockies knew that he could have, but he just could never do it in Colorado for reasons. But it, he, seeing him put it together is awesome. You got like Andrew Haney and some of their other guys putting together a strong rotation mixed in with a phenomenal offense 
one of the best offenses in in baseball this season, putting up runs and everything. Recipe for success for them. And they they went for it, and it's kind of paying off finally. And they have the perfect guy at the helm and Bruce Bochy yeah. to manage Bochy, the club. Bochy is the perfect manager for this team where and, and Bochy is really interesting because Bochy is a combination of your old curmudgeon old guy manager where you walk you watch him hobble as fast as he can out there to go scream at numpire. But then he is also a guy who meshes really well with the young talent on the team who mm-hmm. can identify with and talk to and get the best results out of his young guys. And you don't really see a lot of that from the really, really old managers. You don't, you don't get that out of um, necessarily Bud Black. You don't get that out of um, Terry Francona sometimes or um, Buck Walter in New York, but Boshi does it. And he's a he's a good manager for a good team. But that was a great, great signing by Texas to get him out of retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're doing good. They're an exciting team. It's fun to see that American League West just be competitive with the Angels battling the you know, the oh, four the, four out of five of them. Yeah, four <laughs> out of five ain't bad. <laughs> and seeing you know, Seattle still trying to stay in it and figure out how they can take that next step. Uh, the Angels in there, Astros are going to do their their thing as always, and then have the Rangers in there. It, baseball's better when everybody's trying, unless you're looking the Oakland you, A's. Yeah, looking at you, Las Vegas Athletics. Ugh, what a mess. Uh, have you watched the London series at all this weekend between the Cardinals and the Cubbies? Not a ton. I've caught a little bit of it. Looks like a lot of fun. Um my one complaint with it is why didn't we just get the British broadcasters? Like, I don't care what John Schmoltz has to say or Alex Rodriguez have to say about this game in London. I don't like listening to them in the first place, but uh, I heard, saw the clip of the British broadcast of when, uh, I think it was Swanson hit a home run or whatever. And I was like, man, this British guy, I'm like, why aren't we listening to him? They're in London. Yeah. Just let them do it. Uh, they showed the um, the new uh, Great Britain hats for the national team with the lion on them. Really, co- really cool. Did they actually pay for a graphic designer? I I sure hope so. <laughs> Great Britain baseball team. Oh, that was bad. It's about <laughs> as bad as the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates City Connects. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I know people. Uh, a lot of people hate on the Rockies ones. I like the Rockies ones because they are unique and like they're different instead of a lot of these other teams. It's just bland one color with this kind of ugly block lettering across the front. P G H. Yeah. <laughs> like even the Rangers, I don't like the Rangers Peagles one, but at least they I, were going for something. I like the Rangers ones. Uh, I bought one. Actually, I have a John Gray Ranger city connect Jersey. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it's a really good, love letter to the history of baseball in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought is when it's just going for something to like, just kind of be unique. Whereas the ones this year, a lot of them have just been bland, single color. Here's a couple of things on it. Here you go. Whereas that's why I like the Rockies one. Cause it's, it's unique and like, it's different. 
the pirates ones would be better if if you look really close there's a lot of little neat little details on there but you have to be looking close so they don't really show up on tv or in photos very well yeah yeah it just looks like a yellow jersey that says on it yeah so city connects are still weird uh but i don't care what people say i love the rockies ones I even think the Rockies hat, one's the best ones. Even the hat has grown on me. Like I, I wear that hat more than all my other hats. I I agree. I didn't love the hat at first, but now I like the hat. It's grown. It's grown on you. But and yeah. I I got a I got a hat to supplement it. Um, that it's it's the solid City Connect green, and then it has the like the R O X patch, like the the yellow patch on the front. That's a good hat. Not too shabby. But yeah, so that's kind of just happenings around MLB and everything. But we're always paying attention. Uh, also, does anybody care about Home Run Derby X at all still? Yeah, that's about where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it once last year. And I'm like, this is stupid. And then I turned it off because it was incredibly boring. I do not care about watching a social media influencer or local celebrity hitting yeah. quote unquote home runs. Yeah. That's what look. That's what the celebrity softball game is for during the All Star break. Yeah, and that that can be pretty fun. Like uh, the I went to the the celebrity softball game in in twenty twenty one when the Rockies hosted. Whole lot of fun, you know. Vinny Castilla out there um, had some guys. Had Von Miller. That that was fun. But I don't need to watch a home run derby of TikTokers and Twitter influencers and whatever. Yeah. Uh, I want to watch the actual home run derby. Yeah. Anyways. I think it's going to bring you to a close here, Evan. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of lackluster, but hey, that's just kind of what's going on around MLB, what we're paying attention to. Uh, I'm glad we we sandwiched all the negativity right in the middle. Yeah. A nice tasty sandwich. That's the bologna in the sandwich. It tastes like something, that's for sure. (laughs) But that's going to do it here for Affected by Altitude. As always, we appreciate you tuning in and, and joining along with us through this crazy ride that is the Colorado Rockies season. Uh, Evan, where can the folks find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang27. I would love to hear from you. You can also catch me writing up the Thursday Rock Piles and Thursday game coverage on Purple Road. That's www.purplerow.com. Lots of great content creators writing amazing things on Purple Row. Um Skyler, I really, really, really liked your um, your tribute to George Frazier from this most recent Wednesday. That was a very good piece. Oh, thank you. And if you weren't know, called former Rockies broadcaster, George Frazier passed away this past week. So we paid tribute to him over on Purple Row as well as on the internets. Uh, you can also hit us up on the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter account. It's at Rocky Mountain Rooftop, R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. And uh, Skyler, where can we hear from you? You know, always find me over at Twitter at Cylon underscore crowd, sharing jokes and memes and the occasional Rockies analysis. Uh, also, you can follow us at every Rocky ever. We just had a new episode this past week going over Justin Morneau in a Rockies uniform. A lot of fun talking about one of our other favorite Canadians that played for the Rockies. Also, the only other number 33 since Larry Walker. Who got who got the blessing from Larry to wear it because mm-hmm. they're both Canadians. Indeed. But yeah, so and as always, Wednesday Rock Piles over at purplerow.com.
go check us out. So that'll do it here for Affected by Altitude. Until next time, I'm Skylar. That's Evan. Hit him with it, Evan. <clears throat> Farewell. <laughs> I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs>